Um, this morning, if you turn your Bibles over to the book of Proverbs, um, I want to speak to you about a topic that I think, oh, oh, I don't think, I know that uh, most of us at one time or another have to deal with. And for some, it, it's an obsession. For others, it may be just a fleeting uh, emotion or something that lasts for just a while. But it's become something that has impacted our nation as well as uh, impacting uh, the people of God. Uh, I read a story about a man who was fresh out of business school, and he answered uh, an ad for an accountant. That's what he went to school for, to be an accountant. As he was being interviewed by uh, the, the owner of the company, he was a little bit nervous, and uh, this owner of the company had a small business that he started himself. And the owner of the company said to this uh, accountant, uh, I want somebody with an accounting degree. He said, I'm looking for someone to do my worrying for me. The accountant looked and he said, well, excuse me? He said, what, what do you mean? He said, well, I worry about a lot of things and I've got a lot of things on my mind but I don't want to have to worry about money. So he said, your job, if I hire you, will be to worry about uh, my money problems. I see, said the accountant. And how much does the job pay? The boss said, $85,000. The accountant looked and he goes, $85,000? How can such a small business afford uh, to hire and pay 85000 a year? And the owner of the business said, that's why I'm hiring you. That's your problem. <laughs> that's your worry. There's an old Greek saying that says, you will break the bow if uh, you always keep it bent. Eventually, it will snap. And this morning, I want to uh, look with you at the topic I've entitled, Why Worry? Why Worry? You see, we live in a day and age where there is a lot of tension, a lot of stress which leads to worry. And sooner or later, like that old uh, Greek saying, if we allow ourselves to constantly be under that pressure of stress and worry, sooner or later, or later, we're going to snap. We read about that all the time in the newspaper. We see it on television where people snap simply because they can't take it anymore. The Mayo Clinic did a survey, and they said, worry affects the circulation, the heart, the glands, in fact, the whole nervous system. They went on to say, I've never known anyone who died from overwork, but many who die from worry and stress. And this morning, what we need to do is to uh, look into the Word of God and to examine our lives because it is a fact, without doubt, that we are living in a world where there is definitely going to be more things if we allow ourselves to worry and be stressed about. Proverbs chapter 3. And you probably already know the text. 
verses 5 and 6. And this morning, we read this scripture. We read and study Proverbs chapter 3 and verses 5 and 6. But yet, I wonder how many of us really put it to practice when the time comes to worry. When, it, when the stress of whatever it is we're dealing with begins to overshadow us. Simply put, the writer of Proverbs gives us instruction and wisdom and uh, guidance. He says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all of your ways and what he will direct your paths or make your path straight. And we're going to take a look at what that means a little later on. But yet here is the truth of the gospel. Here's the truth of the word of God when it comes to you and I having to deal with the worries that the world and sometimes our own selves put upon, our, put upon us. Now this morning, I would probably be right in saying we might have a few worry warts with us in the service. There may be a few worriers here today. We all have a tendency to have to deal with that issue. Maybe it's because of family issues. Possibly it could be your job. Maybe health issues, especially in a world of COVID-19. Or it might possibly be your finances. I got some stats here that I'd like to, to read off to you if you would give me some time. According to one survey that took place last summer, this past summer, the number of people feeling stressed has risen 14%, and the number of people feeling worried has climbed to 21%, and that represent, represents 53 million more worried adults than the summer previously. Think about that. We have 370 or 60-some million people in our country and uh, here are the statistics that say that 53 more million people this year have, have uh, surveyed and said that they worry more than they did last year. 40% worry about things that will never happen. You ever been there? Worry about stuff that never takes place? 30% worry about old decisions which cannot be changed. You ever been there? You worry and stress about something that happened last week, last year, back in 1925. 12% of warriors center on criticism by people who may feel inferior, and they worry about what people are saying about them. 10% worry about health issues, which, as we read, worsens the issue when you worry about your health, it doesn't get any better. And then only 8%, it says, of the things people worry about are actual legitimate issues which can something can be done about. Now, when you think about that, 
We need to look at our lives and ask ourselves, uh, where do we fall into and what, what area do we fall into when it comes to the time amount spent worrying in our lives? Someone said daytime is so you can see where you're going and nighttime is so you can lie on your bed and worry. I mean, a lot of times we go to bed and it takes an hour to two, sometimes three, before you close your eyes because you're worrying about what took place that day. Or you're worrying about what's going to happen the next day. I want to talk with you about how to recognize the source and how to deal with the impact of worry and how to live a lot longer, healthier, and happier in life. How many would like that this morning? I know I would. I know I do. I know I, I need this in my life. And so what brings me is to the story of Mary and Martha, which is the opposite of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And so my granddaughter has this little game she plays it's called Opposites. I never heard of it before. And so basically the way the game goes, if, you're, if she wants to eat something, she goes, Papa, I'm not hungry. Or if she wants to buy something, Papa, I don't want a toy. Or if she wants to go someplace, Papa, I don't want to go. And the first time she did, I said, how come? You haven't eaten in a while. This is the opposites. I said, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so we're going to do the opposites here. We're going to play the opposites. Look at Mary and Martha, a classic illustration and a classic account, not just a, an illustration, but a true story of one person who is a worry wart and another person who is the exact opposite of that worrying individual. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, in verse 38, we read the story of Jesus as he's traveling, and he stops by Mary and Martha's house because they're friends. He knows them. And in Luke, uh, chapter 10, in verse 38, it reads like this. Now, as they were traveling along, Jesus entered a certain village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who moreover was listening to the Lord's uh, uh, words seated at his feet. So Mary is the younger sister, and when Jesus comes into the house, she sits down right by Jesus' feet because he's talking, and she wants to hear everything that he has to say about where he's been, the miracles that have taken place, uh, all the healings that have happened, uh, and uh, he, she's there, and she wants to listen. And while she's listening, Mary's there. Where's Martha? Well, Martha is in the kitchen, and she's banging pots, and she's banging pans. And she's looking over her shoulder to see if she's going to get Mar Mary's and Jesus' attention. She's preparing a meal for the Lord. And uh, she sees Mary, her younger sister, doing nothing. And there she is uh, at the feet of Jesus, listening. 
One of the things that make people uptight and warriors is looking over their shoulder and seeing other people who aren't doing anything that they think they should be doing. You ever been there? You know anybody like that? Who, there you are, and you're working, and you're doing what you want to do, and you're, you're looking around and say, well, how come they're not doing it? Why aren't they involved? And you start to worry about them, and you start to stress out about them when it's none of their, your business why they're doing what they're doing. And here's a perfect picture of what's going on in Mary and Martha's home. Martha couldn't handle it anymore because she's there, and she probably thought that because she's making a lot of racket in the kitchen, and she's probably humming and, <laughs> you know, trying to get her attention, and Jesus is as well. You know, maybe she's waiting for Jesus. Oh, okay, Mary, you better go help your sister. And none of them do anything. And she got fed up and frustrated. And in verse 40, look what happens. Martha was distracted with all of her preparations, and she came to Jesus, and she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Tell her to help me if you care. How many ever gotten to that point where Martha's at? And you got bugged, and you allowed your anxiety to begin to get you to question what Jesus was doing, that Jesus even cares about you. He even knows what's going on in your life. You see, that's what worrying does to us as Christians, that we, we do the opposite and play that opposite game of Proverbs chapter 3 and begin to take things into our own hands, uh, begins to stress us out. And we begin to lose the victory and we get distracted by things that really shouldn't be a part of our life or shouldn't even be happening. Martha had these reactions as Mary and Jesus we're there having a good time of fellowship. And as Mary was listening to all that Jesus had to speak about, Lord, she said, don't you care? What was Martha really saying? Lord, I've been in the kitchen now for 35 minutes. And you've been talking to Mary all this time. And neither one of you have even bothered to see if I needed help to see what I was doing. You don't even act like you care about what I'm doing. Don't you care about me? What had happened? Martha started to blame Mary for being irresponsible and why she was worrying, why she was stressed out. How many know that a lot of times uh, people who are worrying and stressed out, always look for someone else to blame for their stress. They always look around for someone to blame because you're the one that causes me to worry. Give me all my gray hairs. What did Mary say? My sister has left me to do all the serving alone. 
All the serving, it was up. And you know she stretched out that word all. Right? Jesus, don't you know that Mary left me to do all the work and prepare all the food? And I'm probably going to have to wash all the pots and pans. By myself. She was trying to get her point across. You see, the problem was Martha wanted to do everything her way. She wanted Jesus' time in her home to make sure it fit into her pattern, her schedule, how she wanted things to happen. You see, not only was Martha worrying, but she had a plan to get Mary to do something other than what she wanted to do. Martha figured, hey, if I'm going to be miserable, and if I'm going to have to worry about getting this job done, then I want somebody else to be miserable with me. I want somebody else to be stressed like me. And you see, that's what happens when we take things into our own hands and we try to arrange things that maybe God doesn't want to happen, that he's doing something different. If I'm miserable, then I'm going to make everybody else miserable. What does Martha say to Jesus? Jesus, tell her to help me. But what Martha was really saying, my translation, Jesus, have her be miserable like me. Have, have her be frustrated like me. And so probably Martha figured Jesus is going to feel sorry for her. How many have ever been in that place where you want Jesus to feel sorry for you? Oh, don't you see what I'm going through, Lord? Right away we open up the book of Psalms. Right? You've been there, right? You know what I'm talking about. Because you know, you know, David's in there and he's boohooing. And yeah, a lot of times he's probably feeling sorry for himself. And, 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 you know, there we are. And there's Martha and Jesus. Don't you even care about what's going on in my life? And she wants Jesus to, oh, you, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, nobody told you to go in the kitchen. Nobody told you to start making a mess. I'm here. But what happened? She got distracted. Jesus was in the house. Just like when Jesus is in the house in church. And there we are. And all these things are rushing through our mind. And, you know, and well, the sermon's going on, and you're doing all this number, and, well, well, and you're being distracted, and you wonder why we're stressed. Wonder why we're worried about things that, hey, Jesus is in the house. He wants to help us get through those things. And Jesus looks at Martha. And Martha's like, 
Okay, here it comes. They're both going to come and help me cook. In verse 42, Jesus looked at Martha and said, Martha, Martha, 41, verse 41, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. She was worried about pots and pans and cooking and temperature of the oven and all that's taking place and pulling her apart. She's bothered. She's worried. She's stressed. Jesus is only about 10 feet away from her, probably in the other room. And then in verse 41, Jesus said, but only one thing, Martha, you're bothered about a lot of things, you're worried about a lot of things, but only one thing is necessary and is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, which shall not be taken away from her. What was that thing that Mary chose that Martha didn't? To be at the feet of Jesus, listening to what he had to say about life. And so what we have to do is what Jesus was saying to Martha, begin to reevaluate your priorities, man. Begin to reevaluate what you think is important, what versus I say is important. What you think you need versus what I say you need. You're worried about stuff, Martha. You're worried about things, Martha. Basically, he just said, relax. Come to me. Martha, we know, was burdened. She was weighed down. She was struggling, worried, and stressed. And Jesus basically told her, was, was inviting her to do what Mary was doing. Come and listen. And let me take care of your problems. You see, we need to look at the Word of God and look at the life and the example of Mary and Martha and begin to... to take inventory and ask ourselves, why, if that's the case, are we constantly a nervous wreck and worrying about things instead of giving them to Jesus? Why are we trying to work it out and plan things ourselves instead of just letting Jesus be in control? Worried. That word means being pulled apart in different directions. How many of that's what worry does to you? When you're worried, you're, you're just like, right? And that's on the outside. Can you imagine what's going on on the inside? We're being torn apart. Our spirit's being pulled in so many different directions, and that's what worry does. 
There's no sense to it. There's no continuity to it. There's no sanity to it. And that's why the devil wants us to be consumed with things that do not matter, the things that are a distraction, the things that will cause us to be unhealthy and eventually lose the joy of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When we allow the enemy to bring these distractions into our lives, Let's look at defeating worry quickly this morning. We're not going to play the opposites now. We're going to do what the Word of God says. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. He'll make your path straight. Now, there are four words and phrases that we need to look at. Direction and action. What are they in that scripture? The word trust. Say that word with me. Trust. Do not lean. Do not lean. Acknowledge and make straight. The first three represent our responsibility. They're commands. That's what, that's what they said. This is not an option. Oh, you can trust in the Lord if you want to. And, 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 and don't lean on your own understanding if you, if you want to. And with all your heart, maybe. That's not what he's saying. This is a command. So it's our responsibility, the first three, to trust on the Lord, to not lean on our own understanding, and to acknowledge him. That's our responsibility. My responsibility. You have to be able to trust God on your own. You have to love God with all of your heart on your own and not lean on your own understanding. You have to do that for yourself. I can't do that for you. Your husband, your wife can't do that for you. Your children can't do that for you. It's our responsibility to rise up and say, I will do these things and, and make them come to pass in my life. And the fourth thing in that scripture that is said, he will make your paths straight. Now, what that means is he's going to go before us and prepare the way and remove all the barriers and remove the distractions and the obstacles from, the, from what's, what is in the way. That's what he says he's going to do. If we allow him to do that. That's God's responsibility. How many know God does his part? He says, if you do your part, if you trust me with all your heart, if you acknowledge me in all of your ways, then he says, I will do what I need to do for you to help you, to serve you, to cause you to be successful. It's my promise to you. Our responsibility to allow God to be able to take away the worry and the stress and the things that bring distraction into our lives. The word your is in there four times in these short verses. Why is it there? Because it's your choice. It's my choice. Nobody else's choice, my decision to make the choice to trust the Lord 
with all my heart and to let him have his way all in my life. All, 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 everything. Acknowledge him in all my ways. Not some of my ways, a few of my ways, but all of my ways. You see, as our music group makes their way up this morning, there are going to be a lot of distractions that want to overpower us. There are going to be a lot of difficulties that you and I might face that appear bigger than life, questions that maybe we don't have the answer to. Things are going to take place. But here's the key. When those things happen, the distractions, the worry, the stress wants to consume us and overtake us. Remember this, that it's not what happens to me, but it's what happening is taking place in me that's going to see me through those difficult times. That if I allow the peace of God that passes all understanding to rule my heart and my life, then let there be the storms, let there be all the difficulties of life, but inside, I've got Jesus, and I've got the peace of God that's going to see me through. Why? Because I'm going to acknowledge Him in everything, in all of my ways. It's not what's happening to me, but it's what's happening in me that's going to determine whether or not I have the victory. You see, this morning, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Your heart. And lean not unto your own understanding, but acknowledge Him in all your ways, and He will direct your path. Let's bow our heads for a few moments.